Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 19 of the Eyes Habit Podcast, our last episode of the regular season. My name is Chris Blessing. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the co-general manager of Baseball HQ, Brent Hershey. Brent, how are you doing today? Doing all right, Chris. Crazy to think that the uh, most of the minor league season is over, finished yesterday, Sunday, and uh, that we're also... At number 19 of these uh, episodes, uh, we got a packed one for people. We're going to try to wrap things up, and I'm looking forward, looking forward to it. How was your week? It was a weird baseball week, Grant. Uh, we've gotten so much rain from the um, remnants of a tropical system. I can't remember. Nicholas, that's it. Uh, yeah. Tropical storm Nicholas. It's still here. It's still raining. Oh, uh, we've had, uh, since Sunday, we've had about three inches of rain here. We also had rain on Saturday as well, and some that came in even earlier than that, which really made for a very weird baseball week. I got to Chattanooga twice, scouted some Braves prospects there, uh, and we're going to talk about them very, very soon. But I also made three attempts at getting to high A this week and was turned away each time, Uh, first on Wednesday, uh, then again on Saturday, and both of those were because of the rain. And then I wake up on Sunday and I check Twitter and there's a message that the game had already been postponed. And we're <laughs> talking around 8.30 uh, in the morning. I woke up around 8.30 and it was because of COVID tracking within the Rangers high A affiliate, uh, which is uh, um, hickory. I didn't get to see any Rangers prospects as I had planned. But not a good, uh, not a good necessarily ending to your season. You get to have so much rain on your last weekend. There, it seems. I think it was fitting. I think this this <laughs> season was so weird, Brent, that I think it was fitting that the the season ended with a whimper. And I'm just very fortunate that the last game I saw, I saw two really good prospects. Well, you did get a chance to see a couple of Braves prospects this week, as you mentioned, and one. Uh, We'll start with is catcher Shay Langleers had a pretty good year. What did you, and I know you've seen him before. What did you see this time that uh, impressed you or stood out or what were you, uh, what were your overall uh, impressions of Langleers? 2019 was when I first saw him and he had just been drafted by the Braves out of Baylor. I think he was the ninth overall pick out of Baylor. Uh, Going into the 2019 season, he was almost like one, two, three with Andrew Vaughn and Adley Rushman, and it kind of fell off for him. And, and mostly it was because of some issues with the swing and miss and the hit tool. Uh, the power's always been there. He's a fine defensive catcher as well. And, and that was a real treat to watch even in 2019. He's gotten better even since then. Uh, 
good framer, very good catch throw guy. Pop time's always under two. I had a pop time at about one eight five. So you know, defensively, yeah. he brings the brings the juice. Uh, what yeah, I yeah. saw differently was actually something a contact had told me from the uh, alternate training site. Uh, the twenty 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 season, he was one of the prospects that got invited to the alternate training site and. There was a lot of talk about how he had cleaned up his swing and which has helped his hit tool perform. So when I saw him in Rome, uh, while the power flashed uh, and, and, you know, there was some swing and miss there, he also had a uh, struggle with making consistent hard contact. And in my two game look and also a video game, a uh, video game, <laughs> and also a video look uh, of a few games. Those issues of hard contact has definitely changed. He has a he's stocky frame, very strong, very strong lower body, typical catcher's frame, open stance. Hands are actually kind of low, and and they really do uh, they smoothly get to the hitting position. What I really appreciated about him was that he seemingly had good plate coverage uh, in both games that I saw live and and the video looks. He was able to put on, put good swings on pitches on both sides of the plate. I mean, the discipline. There could be some better plate discipline in his uh, in his profile, of course. I think that he tends to expand early in the count, trying to get a hittable pitch. I, I won't call him a guest hitter because I think both instances that he hit home runs during this series were on occasions where he just reacted the ball and he drove a 96 mile per hour fastball out to right center field in Chattanooga which is a hard place to hit a ball as a right-handed hitter showed a lot of power to that field Uh, actually on on Twitter that night when I posted that video our friend Jeff from Prospect Live commented that he had some of the best expected uh you know expected stats in the minor leagues and I went ahead and got some of that uh, some of that data. He was really he really is one of the best. Uh, his expected stats, like his expected slug slugging, his expected on base percentage, even his exit velocity is you know consistent with some of the better power hitters in, in the game. The yeah. thing that and, and then the the second game he hit a home run to right field, which was his first home run to like true right field all year. So. I got to see him go opposite field. Um, I also got to see him drive a few singles up the middle. It's an up the middle approach. And, you know, he seems to pepper singles like he'll take what the, what the pitcher gives him if he can't drive the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's something you love to see in a, in a young hitter like that, especially one that's a power, you know, with a lot of power is that he's not selling out all the time, willing to go, uh, willing to, use the whole field, go up the middle, like you said, uh, go on opposite field. Uh, I know that's one thing that always stands out to me, uh, especially in the low minors. And, you know, you've, I know you've talked about it with Soto, you know, seeing him in low A, just being able to drive the ball uh, to the opposite field oftentimes bodes well for a guy's power. So, like, how, how would you rate Langleyers in terms of uh, fancy value when you compare – when you think of someone like – Adley Rushman or Francisco Alvarez, these kind of big-time fantasy catchers? I think those two guys are in a tier of their own. 
I also kind of think that that Rushman might be in a tier of his own. I think it's like Rushman, Alvarez, and then of course there's this grouping of a bunch of guys. I think that Langliers is in that grouping. I see him as a solid regular. I don't see him as an all-star fantasy contributor. And and one of the reasons is uh, you know in the standard format, I don't know if he's ever going to hit for a high average per se. I think it will be a respectable average, don't get me wrong. Uh, and I also have some concerns about his uh, plate discipline where, you know, maybe that OPS is not as high in the, in the standard format. So, uh, you know, HC ranking is what I ended up handing him. For a double-A catcher, I mean, that's, that's pretty solid ranking. It's, it's kind yeah. of safe ranking. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've all learned, uh, I know Brent and I have talked about this, uh, in little depth, because uh, we've talked about Bo Naylor so much. Uh, but you're a little apprehensive of going anywhere higher than a C grade on a catcher, unless you're at like a seven, which is our average uh, um, potential, average regular. Uh, so, uh, you know, 8C prospect, uh, 50% chance of getting to that. I may, you know, if we had a 60%, I may say 60%. Well, that's a good uh, a good wrap on Langliers for sure. I know the second guy you saw um, is someone I had heard some buzz about, even up here in the Northeast. Uh, he's had just a, uh, statistically anyway, fantastic year. And that's right-handed pitcher Spencer Strider from the Braves, 22-year-old, around four pick in the 2020 draft. But his pitch certainly better than that. What did uh, What can you tell us about Strider? You look at him. Oh, man. It was a great look at him. I was very surprised. At, and, and what really kind of surprised me about this is there were some teams with scouts there that weren't there the other night. Like, their scouts showed up just for the strider uh-huh. start. Uh, when I left, I noticed two scouts leaving at the same time. So, like, this is a guy that's on the radar of teams uh, and, and probably wanted to get another look or weren't able to get a look because Strider had gone up three different levels this year. He started in Augusta, which is low A. Uh, ended up in high A. I, I almost got him at Rome. You actually almost got him playing for Rome, too. He got yeah. called up right before he came to, was it Jersey Shore or um, or Wilmington? One of those two, uh, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it might have been that or even Aberdeen. I can't remember which. Aber- yes, I, he was he was kind of on the on the long term radar a week or so out. And then uh, he was gone before I before that series got to me. But yeah, so double A, double A, which is their Mississippi club. I knew that I had that circled. It was the last week of the year, and it, it was one of those only teams that came into double A in the second half that had not been here before, other than the White mm-hmm. Sox affiliate that I didn't really want to go see because I didn't really have an article there. But anyway, Strider was a very surprising. I, I, I guess I I expected something. I, I usually go into these games not thinking that the hype is warranted. So mm-hmm. I left this very surprised. Like I, I, I will talk about him in another segment, but like he kind of blew me away to be honest. Yeah. Six foot two oh five. He's twenty two year old, as as Brent said. He used a high three quarter slot. Uh, it's a cross fire delivery. He gets very good extension for six foot, and he just piles up swings and misses. He had, let's see, we had nine swing and misses off the fastball, and we had nine or ten off nine, uh, nine off of the slider. So 18 <laughs> swings and misses total in an 80 pitch uh, uh, performance. 
Uh, and it would have probably been higher had he been able to throw more strikes. Fastball sit, sat 94 to 97. Actually got 98, 99, according to uh, Mississippi's uh, media guy who on Twitter commented on one of my videos and said that uh, this was a 99-mile-per-hour fastball. I, I hadn't, wasn't running the gun at that point. He was next to the brand-new track, track man machine at the – Reds and the lookouts had put in, so he he knew he knew what was up. Fastball again is one of those pitches that, just like all the other fastballs we've been talking about pretty much this year, lives and dies up in the zone. Has excellent riding motion. Another guy that probably has a VAA between negative five and zero somewhere in that range. Uh, I didn't actually go ahead and look up any stats. Didn't really feel like I needed to. That's how impressive this was. He did allow some hard contact on, on one hit, a single, uh, on that fastball, but it was really kind of, it just kind of bled right in the middle of the plate at, at the, uh, hitter's belt. And it, it, he was trying to overthrow it. I think he was trying to get to a hundred miles per hour type deal and didn't quite get there. Uh, the guy still swung late. I mean, he just made a lot of, made hard contact. Coming into this game, I thought, you know, the report had been curveball slider. I did not see the curveball in this appearance, but I did see the slider, which basically lived in the mid 80s and it had two plane break. Uh, sometimes, uh, and, and the two plane break was very, it, he, it alternated and I don't think he alternated on purpose though. Uh, sometimes it was more vertical break than horizontal break. Sometimes it was more horizontal break than, than, than vertical break. The better of the two pitches is the horizontal breaker. Sometimes he'd sweep it. It was an effective tool, specifically, actually, against left-handed batters. Not the strongest lineup in, in Chattanooga right now. He also threw a changeup. Changeup was uh, 89-90. He threw two of them. Uh, they looked like the same changeups he threw in warm-ups, which were pitches that they were pitches that he wasn't really able to fade. It had some uh, arm-side run to them. They were firm pitches, but you want to kind of see some fading action at the end of the progression, at least. And there just kind of kind of wasn't any. So that would be a pitch that I would like to see him improve on. I've heard that he does have a feel for a changeup. So maybe I just got it on a wrong night. Uh, obviously, they didn't use it. They didn't incorporate it that much. So overall, you've got two swing and miss pitches. Uh, the fastball could be a future double plus pitch with better command. His strike rate was just under 60%, which is a little troublesome. I will say that he was extra amped. He's from Knoxville, Tennessee, which is about two hours from Chattanooga area. And his family was behind home plate. And as they arrived, I think he noticed them, if that makes <laughs> sense. And uh -huh. uh, there's also, I, I know earlier in, earlier in the uh, series, the general manager was there as well. So I don't know if the general manager popped in. General manager actually sat in the 200 section when he was there. And uh, buddy Rick Nyman from Channel 12 News here in Chattanooga actually got a picture of him on Tuesday night. So there was a good chance that he was in there, too. And if he was there, you know, there was probably a lot of nerves because uh, the general manager doesn't make many trips. They usually wait until the guys are in Chattanooga to go see him. Since Chattanooga is about a two-hour and 15-minute drive uh, from the Atlanta area. Yeah, um, sounds. I mean, it sounds kind of uh, exciting, especially especially if, like you said, that the third pitch, the changeup, is something he can really work in um, 
work into his repertoire. But definitely the what you're reporting about the fastball slider combination is certainly promising. I mean, I assume at this point you think it's a kind of a starter's package uh, with that. Oh yeah, definitely. I have him uh, as a starter. I, I actually probably, if I were to give him a grade right now, I'd probably give him a nine, uh, maybe a nine C. That's how kind of confident I am in the two uh, two plus pitches uh, or better pitches right now. The changeup will be what determines whether that goes uh, remains a nine, which is a all star caliber uh, starting pitcher or whether it goes down. Uh, so there's there's that. The Braves actually have two pitchers this year that have really kind of risen their profile. Actually, they have several of them. Uh, they've had a really good player development year with their pitching staff throughout the, throughout the league. And talking to people, I don't, I'm, the one guy I didn't get to see is a guy that we'll be talking about a little bit later. And his, his name is Joey Estes. He's a right-hander who's been pitching for Augusta all season. Most people have Strider ahead of him. Um, they have him ahead of him. Uh, Elder, Bryce Elder is another pitcher that they have a um, Strider ahead of. Uh, yeah. But really and truly, I mean, this it, it's between him and Estes, in my opinion. And uh, I, I would say Strider is the top 100 guy. I, I, I really want to check out uh, Estes' start on uh, MILB TV uh, coming up. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to look at the archives over the next month or so. Uh, but but like I think that those guys are guys that may be battling for top 100 slots yeah. for our postseason or preseason list, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, when you look at the, I mean, just the stat line. I mean, it's it's really impressive across, like you said, across these three levels. You start in 21 starts, 93 innings pitched, 150 strikeouts, 40 walks. I mean, just from that alone, you know, kind of. 15% strikeout rate, I, you know, that alone kind of backs up what you're saying on a performance level from what you've seen, uh, what you saw with your own eyes last week about the uh, lots of swing and miss um, in his in his pitches. It's been exciting so far, this episode. Uh, we've gotten two Braves guys, and now it's going to get really exciting because we are going to, instead of our normal news and notes segment, we're going to assign some awards here. Uh, from our evaluations this year, uh, whether it was on video, whether it was at the ballpark, uh, we've we've picked some guys, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and uh, the first one's gonna be the biggest mover. Uh, essentially, this is the pr- prospect, and and we each picked a hitter and a pitcher that, from what we were able to see, whether it was live or on video, moved up our ranks more than anybody else this year. And uh, Brett has the first guy, which he's going to select a hitter. Who do you select as your biggest mover? Yeah, I think the hitter that I saw that was the biggest mover on, on our overall list is someone we mentioned already as a, as a New York Mets catcher, Francisco Alvarez. We talked about him. I talked about him back in episode eight of The Eyes Habit when I saw him uh, when he was in high A. And while I knew, you know, was familiar with the name, uh, knew that he was young for the level, I mean, getting to see him live with the uh, just the, the ferocious bat speed, um, the power that he has, you know, the his uh, adequacy behind the plate, um, he's going to be someone that certainly uh, I'll have moved, you know, has moved up my list uh, in seeing 
him this year. So again, for all these guys, uh, we are going to let you all know kind of which episode in the past we've talked about them. Um, and for Alvarez, it's uh, episode eight, as well as uh, I believe the the uh, Futures Game recap, uh, which is episode nine, too. Uh, what about you for your hitter? Who's your biggest mover that you've seen this year? My hitter was actually in my most recent article last week. Uh, something I didn't bring to the podcast, but Nick York, who was the first round pick, almost unexpected first round pick. Well, almost. He was definitely the most unexpected pick of last year's first yeah. round of the 2020 draft by the Red Sox. York started out this year in single A. I, I caught a few of his uh, games, specifically while I was uh, evaluating some Indians prospects. And uh, York, you know, kind of stood out. And as the season moved on, he got better and better. What we started to see, we always knew that he had a high floor. Uh, hit tool. Uh, and it was a matter of strength and that kind of thing. Red Sox people threw out some Dustin Pedroia comps. Uh, what we saw this year, especially towards the end of the year in high A, is this kid getting to power. Uh, while he's not necessarily this huge power hitter uh, profile type, uh, he's getting great lift off the ball, especially to the pull side. I, I know that uh, somebody on Twitter Mentioned that he also hit a home run recently to the opposite field. The the type of carry and the angles he's getting off his bat, while not giving up anything in his hit tool, which uh, could be a plus hit tool at maturity, have basically turned York into a top uh, 100 prospect, and you could make an argument that he might be a top 50 prospect. On the uh, pitcher side, uh, my biggest mover uh, is a bit of a different one. Someone's kind of really wasn't on my bigger radar for list-wise. A pitcher that I saw out of the Pittsburgh organization early on in the year, and that's Rowanzi Contreras. Uh, we talked about him in episode two, way back in May, um, when I got to see his start in mid-May against Harrisburg. Um, he was in the, in the midst then of a great uh, run uh, in double A. You know, was able to kind of sit 95-97, was able to hold it, uh, late into the games, uh, mix a slider and change up in there as well that that uh, really was able to get swings and misses with him. There's a course of risk here. Uh, he missed a bunch of time in the middle of the season to a forearm injury. Uh, he came back, I believe, earlier this month and uh, has been moved to uh, AAA for the past for the last couple of weeks of the AAA season. It extends longer here. I think just to get him some work. So Contreras is someone that definitely, uh, I think, you know, moves, ha- has moved into more of a top pitcher prospect for me and someone that we might even sort of see it in the Arizona Fall League. I mean, there's, that's just the type of guy that could go there, uh, needing to kind of make up those innings. Chris, who's your, uh, who's your big pitcher mover? My choice for pitcher is actually the guy I just talked about. Talk about being lazy, but really, truly, it's Spencer, Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider had to come out of nowhere. He wasn't in my top 250. I don't know how many top 250s he was in coming into the season. This is looking like a steal for the Braves in the fourth round uh, of the draft. And, and we kind of anticipated stuff like this happening in this year's draft and last year's draft, where guys would be selected and, you know, kind of not in the first few rounds and end up being first round talent. And this kid, 
who's definitely selling first round talent. And, uh, you know, there could be a chance that this guy's helping a major league club. If, if not the Braves next year, uh, it could be somebody else. I, I'm, of course, would like to see his control or well, his command uh, get a little better. But, you know, this guy could actually end up in a, you know, pen late in the season, especially with this stuff and these two types of pitches. So uh, he's a guy we could see pretty quickly. So big mover, as I said, possible top 50 dude. Yeah. The next uh, category we just have most surprising, and this is we were just going to each of us pick one, uh, a pitcher or a hitter, for the prospects that surprised us the most this year. Uh, who you got, Chris, to start us off? This is a guy I, I evaluated off of video for a Eyes Have It um, article, and I ended up using him on the pod instead on pod number 16. Edward Cabrera, the right-handed pitcher for the Marlins, who's since made his major league debut, uh, was very good that I uh, profiled him when I did because, you know, made me look smart. Uh, he struggled a bit. His command's not that sharp. The fastball specifically uh, has, has a little growing to do, and I have – a lot of confidence in the Marlins, but uh, why he was the biggest surprise to me is because I firmly had him in my mind as a reliever. Specifically, the change in his arsenal was the changeup that has awakened my, you know, ha- has awakened me to him. Uh, the changeup is a plus pitch, could even be a double plus pitch, uh, especially if the command and, and, and control of his fastball improves. I just thought he was a reliever. So I kind of dismissed him until really somebody told me, hey, go check him out. Uh, these numbers with his uh, changeup are pretty unbelievable. And uh, he showed, and so far in the major leagues, although he struggled some, there's a lot of potential here. And Cabrera is probably a top 50 prospect for me at this point. Maybe a little lower than that. Um, We'll see uh, once I discount uh, for him being a pitcher. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I think that he has a, a brighter future than I thought previously. Um, now, Brent, you're most surprising uh, uh, player prospect from this season. I'm going to go with Riley Green, and you know, who is obviously not like an unknown or anything coming in into the year. Um, but in my looks that I saw him uh, both at the Futures game as well as uh, as well as seeing him uh, doing a full BP uh, before a double A game at Somerset that unfortunately got rained out. Uh, I, I just was impressed with how ready he seems. I mean, I mean, here's a guy who's 20, uh, 20 years old, and you know, was a first rounder out of high school in twenty nineteen, and uh, just flew through two levels. Uh, was it double A with a nine oh five OPS? Uh, they moved him up to Toledo at Triple A. He's stayed there. He's hit 296, 382, 552. He has the hit tool. Uh, the power was really surprising to me in the batting practices that I saw. Uh, he's athletic, uh, smart, kind of controls his bat. You know, we talked about him some on episode nine and then really had a good breakdown from our colleague Rob Gordon in episode 15, uh, who saw him uh, just several weeks ago at Toledo. And uh, I think it's just surprising to me that. He looks like he's ready to contribute uh, to the Tigers at some point in uh, 2022. He just is just as much more polished uh, than what than I would have thought. So he, for me, is the most surprising uh, pick that I saw this year. Well, let's let's kind of change the little gears here. Let's uh, talk about 
that sleeper prospect, a guy that you know may have been uh, touted at one time or may never have really been touted by media types like ourselves, who awoke this year and have uh, reestablished themselves or established themselves as prospects. Uh, I'll let you go first, Frank. Uh, who is your hitter? Yeah, the the hitter I picked was uh, Jalen Ortiz, a uh, outfielder for the Phillies uh, that we talked about on episode 15. High international, high dollar international sign for the Phillies back in the day. Kind of looked like he had stalled out in in low and high A with just a lot of strikeouts, couldn't make enough contact. But went back to high A this season, had slimmed down some and really hit well. Hit a bunch of home runs, got his. Uh, batting average back up into the 260s, and then moved up to uh, double A for uh, about the last 20, 21 games or so uh, in the season. There he did struggle some, but I think the important thing uh, for Ortiz is that, you know, at 22, he kind of put himself back into the conversation, uh, even if it's a kind of, you know, low average uh, slugger type that, uh, you know, is surprisingly athletic and, uh, you know, could, could, work into a kind of a, you know, possibly second division kind of starter corner outfielder. I mean, that's a high bar and there's things to do yet uh, for him to get there. Um, but it's certainly someone that reestablished his value and uh, especially, you know, to some extent his fantasy value also uh, for this year. Who's your hitter? He's a guy that I covered in an I have it article on uh, June 18th, a Former Cleveland Indians prospect who got to the Rays organization and uh, kind of took off as an older guy in high A. But uh, while he did struggle some initially at the double A, he he did do well enough that you know evaluators like myself do believe that he's a major league bat with the potential of being a a guy that might be a solid regular. And that is outfielder Ruben uh, Carnina, uh, who is a power hitting uh, most likely, although he's playing all three positions, most likely he fits into a corner. Uh, he hit a bunch of home runs this year. I think he's over 25 this year. I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, but uh, big bat uh, dude uh, was getting to a lot of hard contact. Uh, if you look at the Rays organization, and it will be something very interesting when we come to organizational report time, they had several hitters like this that they just kind of popped out of nowhere. Curtis Mead's one of them too, who I didn't really get to see. I missed him when he was at Bowling Green and uh, uh, never really got here with Double A. So you know, two guys that that are surprising. One I saw, one I did not, but have come out of nowhere and uh, have been awakened, if if we use that term. Let's go to pitching this time, and let's talk about the sleeper pitcher that has awakened uh, that you got to see this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Cole Reagans, a left-hander for out of the Texas organization. Saw him with Hickory back at the beginning of June. We talked about him on episode four. Um, he's a former first-rounder who's gone under uh, uh, gone under the knife, Tommy John surgery twice uh, so far in his career. Really hasn't pitched in a in game action since 2017, good, well-proportioned uh, fastball changeup, mainly left-hander, uh, showed a curveball that uh, could be useful. And again, a little bit like Ortiz, someone that was, you know, hyped because he was a, a high 
in this case, a high pick, uh, first rounder in 2016, who kind of slid off the radar because of the injuries, but uh, really reestablished himself in uh, in 2021, uh, is finishing out uh, the season at Double A. And at 23 years old, I think uh, you know if he continues to stay healthy and get through the season with his health, I think uh, he could be could be major league material at some point. Who's your pitcher? A guy that I talked about in the third podcast of the year, Brian Bello, a right-handed Red Sox prospect who I saw against Rome uh, when I was scouting Michael uh, Harris. And uh, Bello threw hard, uh, high 90s fastball. There's some some command control issues with it, but it, uh, again, a high riser. There's some swing and miss there. Uh, but what was especially pleasing was his slider. Uh, and that uh, he had the makings of a possible change-up. So there might be kind of three pitches there. Uh, I do believe that it ends up in the pen. I don't think that the fastball has enough movement uh, up to uh, get enough swings and misses or, or be that established pitch. But, you know, a guy that kind of came out of nowhere who was really just a thrower came back uh, after the layoff and now more of a pitcher without losing that those things, those that kind of stuff. So, like, that's that's a big, big uh, check mark for Mr. Bellow. The next, I like, I'm interested in the, the next one for sure. The next category we have is the loudest tool we've scouted. We're each going to talk about uh, shortly a uh, pitcher and a hitter with the loudest tool we saw. Uh, who do you got for a hitter? I struggled with this, Brent. I, I couldn't think of a hitter offhand. Uh, I kept on... One of the things for, for people to understand this, uh, the easiest uh, grades, the, the, the loudest tools are usually with the power tool or it is with the speed tool. So I kind of wanted to go away with that. And I just picked exit velocity, which is not your traditional tool that you would go to as being exceptional. Usually you're trying to find a guy with an exceptional hit tool. And this guy certainly has some swing and miss, but it's uh, Yankees Uber prospect, uh, Jason Dominguez, the outfielder that I saw during my Florida trip, covered him actually, uh, in a podcast, but, uh, my main, uh, my main article was on my 819 Eyes Have It, uh, article. And, uh, Dominguez, you know, a lot of things have been said. I've heard people from the Yankees camp comp him to Mickey Bantle, which is kind of laughable, but he is a switch hitter and he is a really good prospect. I expected, even though he's a teenager, that he would have been a little more refined at this point in his career, only because that was what was coming out of Yankees camp. Uh, there are holes in this game, but as I said in my article, there's a, there is a potential that this kid is, could be one of the best players ever. It's just a matter of uh, him getting to more contact with and better pitch recognition, which will come. Uh, this was a really aggressive assignment, sending him to single A this year. And, uh, you know, look forward to seeing what he has in store moving forward. Right? Who is your hitter? My loudest tool on the hit side, someone we mentioned already, is uh, Francisco Alvarez again. And while I didn't have exit velocity numbers, uh, I know listening or, or doing some video work off of MILB.TV, the uh, announcers there talked about uh, the superlative numbers that Alvarez had uh, in his time, both at low A and high A, uh, having some of the highest exit velocities in those leagues. 
Um, and you can just see it in the, in the power too. I mean, he just hits, hits everything hard in some ways, similar to Dominguez, there'll be some swing and miss there as he moves up. Uh, but he hit 24 homers, you know, two levels of a ball with a 941 OPS. Uh, he's 19 years old. He's, uh, I think just for ha- having him do all that and kind of watching a couple of his batting practices, both uh, at the Futures game and a couple of times uh, throughout the season at the different times that the Brooklyn Club uh, visited some of the parks I was at, he just gave you some of those wow moments that, that kind of stick with you. Again, he's a guy we talked about on episode eight for sure. And uh, Alvarez, I think, you know, he has a, has a bright future uh, with that tool. How about on the pitcher side for you? Oh, this is easy. This is Hunter Green. Uh, Hunter Green, Reds prospect who threw 100 miles per hour over 30 times when I evaluated him on opening day. You could hear about him in podcast one or read about him in uh, the Eyes Have It article from 511. Very impressive uh, debut. Uh, and I look forward to seeing how those other pitches develop. I feel like... Uh, uh, he had some ups and downs in AAA. I think that people expected him to just kind of steamroll through there. Uh, and as we talked about on the podcast and, and in that article, there are still things that he needs to improve. He's still becoming a pitcher. But the improvement has been pretty significant, uh, considering that some of the reports prior to his Tommy John surgery a few years ago really kind of doubted whether he'd ever be a starting pitcher and it looks more and more like he will be a starting pitcher so uh, big ups to Hunter Green having the loudest tool I would say he has the loudest tool of anybody I've seen in several years uh, uh, for pitchers yeah. uh, that yeah. fastball is that dynamic I know you have a, a pitcher and I, I can pretty much guess uh, who it is who had the <laughs> loudest tool and uh, who was that Brent? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not as, uh, not as loud as Hunter Green, of course, but there are a few that are, but I went with Kay Cavalli again, uh, his fastball, uh, also top triple digits sometimes, um, but got a lot of, a lot of swing and miss. And I had a chance to see him very early on. We talked about him, uh, in episode one, uh, actually the same episode we talked about green and he, you know, Cavalli rose through three levels, like a couple of our, these other guys. He's uh, still pitching a triple A uh, with 166 strikeouts over 118 innings so far. Uh, he has a, another starter, too, probably coming uh, as he finishes those last two weeks with Rochester. Really put himself on the map. Was able to use two different breaking balls as well as a, a changeup. Uh, did struggle with control at various times, and that'll kind of be, I think, a big separator is as far as how how far he rises in the in the majors, um, but definitely uh, that fastball coming out uh, was, was was the loudest tool that I saw um, on the pitcher side for me this year. Well, let's get to your best early call. Who was your best early call, Brent? Best early call on a prospect. It was uh, was not early in the season, but I I feel like it was a little bit ahead of the of the hype that that. For, for this player that got rolling around midseason, and that's Brett Beatty, uh, third baseman for the Mets organization. We talked about him in episode eight. Like Unlike some of the guys that we've talked about, uh, like Alvarez and, and some of the other big power hitters, uh, Beatty isn't a huge home run guy, but just a really solid hit tool, um, sprays the ball around, uh, has a really good frame, 
you know, if he could add some more strength, uh, I think he could be a 2025 home run guy. Just a lot of things to like there. And I feel like, uh, you know, that that was a, a good chance. Uh, again, someone that I knew the name of, uh, but when I got to see in person during his high A time, especially uh, in that in the couple June series, is someone he's definitely someone that I uh, I saw to as as having a good future, uh, especially on the fantasy side. I think think thinking about uh, a batting average and kind of doubles uh, floor at least for Beatty. Who's the best early call for you? I almost went with Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles, uh, and reason mm-hmm. for that is I wrote a. Uh, preseason article based on some spring training at bats that I had yeah. watched uh, on video. But uh, let's go with Michael Harris, who's another guy that had some very significant time in spring training and did some good things. Uh, Harris, uh, Braves outfield prospect, is kind of a free swinger in recent weeks. Uh, apparently, he has maybe been less of a free swinger, kind of being a little disc- discarding with the uh, some of uh, those breaking balls that he was swinging all over earlier in the year. Uh, Harris is a guy that has not failed yet as a professional and is a guy that made huge strides from uh, 2018 in high school, 2019 in high school to 2019 as his pro debut uh, has really come along. Could be the Braves' best position prospect at this point. I guess you could get an argument about Langleyers. Uh, Pache, even though he struggled, could have an argument there. I know people will argue that Drew Waters might be better. I don't have Drew Waters there, of course. We've long doc- documented my, uh, my, I don't know, dislike is the right word for it. But, uh, you know, I just don't think Drew Waters is as good as people make him out to be. So, uh, but big time prospect, a guy that uh, I covered in pod two. I have an article on 6-2 as well. Uh, so, you know, check those out for some some more information on Michael Harris. Brent, what was your biggest lesson of this season? <laughs> yeah, that sort of turns the tables a little bit, you know, back to us as evaluators as opposed to uh, specifically on players. I think it's a good question. I think mine is is one that, that I still struggle with sometimes is, is not always evaluating by just tools, but kind of looking at the whole package for a player. And I think about that in terms of uh, the um, later season start that I saw Logan T. Allen for the for the Indians organization or Guardians to be um, the, the Double A Akron Club, just being able to you know not not a super hard thrower, but able to locate and work his way through the game. And some of that is related to also what uh, you certainly have brought a lot and some of us uh, and some other places with the whole vertical approach angle phenomenon, um, you know, paying more attention to arm slot um, and carry on a fastball and how that can uh, can be just as effective as a as a big as a big number velocity fastball. I think it's just being able to look past what seem like kind of inferior tools and, and look at the player as a whole. That makes sense. I, I agree with you on that. I've uh, learned a lot. I, I was able to, uh, uh, both on the podcast and articles, introduce everybody to uh, Davion Curry, a pitcher in the Indians organization who uh, has pitched phenomenally, is right up there with Logan Allen this year. Uh, in that industry, in that organization of uh, doing great things, 
in the minor leagues. He's a little older than Allen, and uh, you know, there's still some question whether he is a starter or reliever, but definitely looks like a major league pitcher. But uh, for anybody who wants to see how that works, I think he's one of the perfect guys to look at because yeah. of his height. He's shorter and all of that good stuff, and and that fastball just carries uh, out of that out of out of a shorter stature. My biggest lesson, Brent, and this kind of is connected with this, but I feel like my biggest lesson is I was able to eliminate a lot of the noise that I had previously experienced in past years. I got very concerned for about two, three years with what everybody else was doing and not really worrying about what I was doing. Uh, uh, because I, I, there's part of me that has wanted this industry to grow in a way. Um, and I realized that the industry is probably growing in a different way. Uh, what I mean by that is fantasy prospect coverage. Uh, I, I understand that some people don't, uh, are, are more analysts than evaluators. I'm an evaluator. Uh, they're more like analysts. I, I put that hat on occasionally, but it's realizing that my strength is in evaluation. Uh, that no matter what, I feel like I can evaluate better as, as good as anybody. There might be people with cleaner language when they talk about them, uh, talk about a guy. Uh, there might be a guy that, you know, explains things a lot better than I do. Uh, but overall, I feel like my project projections are good. So if anything I learned this year is really to trust myself and, and eliminate the noise. That, that self-awareness, I mean, no matter what you're involved in, it's always a, it's always a good thing. I mean, a positive thing, uh, I think, for anything. And it's a good uh Good reminder uh, that we all have um, all different strengths, and yeah. uh, that uh, the best work we can do, I think, is when we uh, is when we stick to those, and uh, as well as use what we have in sharing, you know, in sharing it with others too. Um, well, we've got a good upcoming schedule uh, coming up, Brent, yeah. meaning that we're not going to have a podcast for several weeks, and we can't right. give you a date when the 20th episode, uh, which is probably going to be the finale for the year is going to happen. It's going to happen sometime after first pitch Arizona. Brent and I are going to be evaluating some Arizona fall league guys. I always love watching Brent because Brent has like maybe three, four innings to watch a guy. Uh, and then he has to go and (laughs) either entertain or figure out what's next or get something going. Uh, uh, so if you're at, if, if you're at, uh, uh, first pitch Arizona, and I hope a lot of you are there. If you see Brent, you know, uh, which you will, because he'll be front and center. Him, Ray, Ron, uh, a bunch of guys are front and center. But uh, it's always fun to watch Brent at the ballpark because it's the only time he gets to breathe during the <laughs> entire uh, the entire weekend is that those three, four innings. So, but anyway, uh, we'll have a, a, you know, we'll talk about some of the guys that we saw in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, I'll also go to some complex games as well. So we could have some very interesting, some new experiences. And when I say complex games, they're organizational ball. So uh, uh, there's two leagues right now going on in Arizona. Not right now. One of them actually starts tomorrow, uh, which is really quick at the end of the season. But they'll they'll both be active during the week that uh, I'm there. So hopefully go to see some uh, younger guys that aren't on AFL rosters. We don't know the AFL rosters, right, Brent? 
We don't know them yet. No, but there's some, some little bits of names that are trickling out here and there. We're still waiting for the official schedule uh, here on Monday night to be released at some point uh, also. But uh, yes, all we have is kind of uh, some names that have trickled out from, I guess, mostly uh, individual team beat writers and such. Yes, yes. I'm going to go through a few names here, and I'm going to let you pick one guy, and then I'll pick another guy uh, as the guy that you're most excited to see during the Arizona Fall League. Uh, right. Brett Beatty from the Mets, Yoquai Cespedes from the White Sox, Jose Rodriguez from the White Sox, Bryson Stott from the Phillies, Logan Davidson from the Athletics, Tyler Salterstrom from the Athletics, Geraldo Perdomo, uh, who made his major league debut and had a really rough season this year from the Diamondbacks. He's a he's a returner. I remember seeing him at one of the uh, past Arizona yeah. Fall League seasons. That's right. And then uh, former University of Miami, Arizona, now Arizona Diamondback uh, starter, Slade Chaconi, who uh, got some some good press in the uh, preseason as being a potential top 100 guy. Uh, so, uh Arizona is full with starting pitching prospects, so it will be interesting if any of those other guys get get sent over there. So who of that list is the guy that you want to see the most? I think the guy I'm interested in seeing the most is probably uh, Tyler Soderstrom uh, from the A's. First round pick, 2020, overall pick 26. Had a good bit of of helium uh, around spring training in the beginning of this year. And uh, and performed fairly well. Hit 306 over uh, 222 at bats, 12 home runs, but got hurt and hasn't played uh, since July 23rd. He was at the Futures game, and uh, one of the guys that during batting practice, I mean, was was fine, but not overwhelming, uh, given the given the positive reports that had been to that point. So I'm really interested to get a kind of a, a, a more of an in-game, longer look at Soderstrom. He's 19. Uh, he was just in low A this year, so he's uh, a bunch of years away. See if he has the athleticism to kind of play catcher, or there was some talk of moving him off because the bat was so good. Uh, but Soderstrom, uh, out of that list for sure, is uh, one of the guys I'm really interested in seeing during my three or four innings of uh that I get to see during the conference when the conference is running. Who is your, uh, who out of that list is a target for you to see? Oh, that's going to be Brett Beatty. Uh, I, I cover the Mets uh, farm system for uh, our website. I couldn't think of what it was called for a second. That's pretty bad. Uh, that, that means that we are uh, 19 episodes about our cap for a season. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Brett Beatty, uh, just because I wasn't really as high on him as other people, and he's kind of, he's evolved into a, into, I guess, what the Mets envisioned him to be when they drafted him a few years ago. So I'm very interested to see him. And I'll throw another guy that I'm interested to see. And that's, uh, I, I, I was a big Perdomo fan, uh, Geraldo Perdomo. Perdomo. And I'm mystified by how his season has gone. He did a lot of eighth and ninth batting for their double A squad in Amarillo. And to have no idea, I thought the hit school would play. Uh, I knew that the power might uh, not. Right. But phenomenal defender and a guy that, you know, the glove could, with, with some hit, could really carry that profile. So very interested to see those guys. Uh, and uh, looking forward to whatever the 
instructional league or the Arizona Fall League brings to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting the whole, uh, all of the rosters released because uh, I'm sure there'll be tons of more interesting players uh, out there for the Fall League. And we look forward to seeing a bunch of them uh, during our weekend out at First Pitch, Arizona, which is only just about uh, three, four weeks away, October 14th through the 17th. Uh, is the date for the uh, first pitch Arizona and uh, will be a good time as always. Agreed. I think that about wraps us up here for number 19. If I'm to say so myself, thank you for listening in uh, on this kind of last uh, official uh, weekly episode. We'll, as Chris said, we'll be back uh, several weeks from now. Uh, once the, once we've gotten past First Pitch Arizona and uh, some of the Fall League action to update uh, update you on our thoughts and uh, impressions from uh, our time in Arizona. So we look forward to that. You can still reach us via email if you want, if the eyes have it, at BaseballHQ.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Chris is at C underscore Blessing. You can find me at Brent HQ. Really am interested to hear from uh, any of you uh, now that the main portion of the of the season is over from us, uh, any feedback that you have as we plan on uh, future issues uh, and or topics uh, would be greatly appreciated. Chris, we made it through number 19. We did. Have, have a great uh, week, and we will talk to you again soon. Yes. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened to us this year. Uh, it's been a pleasure doing this. I can't wait till next year. I can't wait until our 20th episode. Uh, we're going to have to start cat the either start to count over next year or, or do something, uh, do something different with that. But, uh, Brent, as always, it's been great and, uh, just look forward to the future. Same here. <laughs>